Okay, guys, so I know our Christmas special isn't until next episode, but I recently saw a password-related joke on Twitter, which was like a terrible Christmas cracker-style joke, so I thought I would share it if you wouldn't mind indulging me. I mean, that sounds wonderful. Let's do it. Okay, so imagine you're filling in a login form, right? Presumably without the magic of one password. Picture this in your mind. Enter new password. You type chicken. Error message reads... Password must contain one capital. You type Chicken Kiev. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I knew I knew where it was going. I didn't. You saw that coming. Yeah. And I still I still didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, a terrible joke, but all credit goes to YB's three on Twitter for that one there. <laughs> Do they listen to the show? Did you come across this organically? Like what do we got here? I don't know. I think somebody that I know liked it and I found it. You know how it happens on Twitter. Yeah. Someone like something that you'd rather not see and uh, it ruins your day (laughs) someone likes something that you'd rather not see oh i like that (laughs) so here we are again another week and another episode Mm -hmm. and you're joining us for our iot special or indigestion of turkey special as matt coined it i figured it's the it's the one after thanksgiving right it's the middle it's the sandwich. Yeah. The turkey in the sandwich. It's so good in so many ways. So coming up, we've got Watchtower Weekly, which is where we like to discuss and round up some of the latest security news each week. Of course, named after one of my favourite features of 1Password, as Watchtower keeps you notified of any compromised websites or logins or passwords or things like that. And this week, as I mentioned, we've got a bunch of interesting stories around smart devices So shall we jump right in? I think so. Let's do it. So Amazon have faced a backlash uh, for privacy around its sidewalk feature. Amazon customers are being automatically opted into Sidewalk, a feature that connects Alexa devices to nearby Wi-Fi networks and even those owned by someone else. So Sidewalk uses Alexa devices, including Echo and Ring video doorbells, to create a shared network meant to help devices work better. Uh, So these bridge devices share a small portion of your internet bandwidth, which is pooled together to provide these services to you and your neighbour. When your neighbours participate, the network becomes even stronger. Ah, this is... yeah. I I feel like (laughs) opting in automatically is the bad thing here. Yeah. I understand that that network devices and and stuff, they can get more information and, and better features as they kind of connect more devices there but it's very troublesome to automatically opt someone in for it the report's author by msn says by sharing a small portion of their home network bandwidth neighbors give a little but get a lot in return and the chief information security officer at Sijax, when asked you know said the launch was deeply problematic from a privacy perspective the on by default nature is not consumer friendly and no one rides on my wi-fi for free uh, especially a giant corporation with billions of dollars. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting way of doing things, is to link together automatically all of the Wi-Fi kind of IoT things and connect them to your neighbours. I hope this doesn't raise others doing similar things. It definitely cements my idea of never getting a ring doorbell. You know what I'm surprised about? tangentially related to this entire topic i'm surprised that more companies like amazon and stuff have not just embraced this notion of of having the devices connect directly to cell networks 
Like, cell service is pretty ubiquitous. It has to be traffic-related, right? I suppose. Still, it doesn't feel good, does it? No, certainly not. So what about smart doorbells? Keeping on the side of of Ring and, and that nature... Smart doorbells, easy target for hackers, a study finds. This is out of the BBC. Yeah, so major security flaws are found in in very popular smart doorbells. And they're apparently putting consumers at risk by being targeted by hackers inside their own homes. This is according to some comments from Witch. It's asking the government for new legislation to safeguard consumers. And Amazon has removed at least seven product listings in response to the findings. So the watchdog tested 11 devices which were purchased from popular online marketplaces in the UK. So brands including, you know, Quihu, <laughs> Chironix and Victor. You know, those ones. Quihu. Uh, it was mm. the level of confidence with which you said Quihu. Oh, zero. Just, I, I think we've hit the moral of the story already, right? Don't buy from random places. These are the kind of places that, like sell a smartwatch for 40 quid just don't do it yeah you know it's connected to the internet and it's you wear it around your wrist that's terrible this is a camera on your door that you don't know the testing of go with a yeah go with like a brand like anchor or or something similar something that has been privacy tested even amazon aren't coming across too well here are they at least seven products i mean you you have to understand when you buy stuff from amazon that it is an untested marketplace that's all it is yeah they're not getting every version of every product that they sell and and testing it out you do have to have some kind of consumer general knowledge of what to do and what not to do and buying a quihu doorbell is perhaps not the... Uh... <laughs> Say Quihu. <laughs> Say Quihu one more time. Chi-hu? No. Nope. Mm, okay. Quihu? No. Oh, it might be Quihu. No, I think Quihu is fine. Okay. I'm just, it's it's the... You just want me to say it with more confidence? Yes. Like, you got to own it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it found the most common flaws uh, were weak password policies and a lack of data encryption. You know, encrypting data is quite troublesome on the battery, troublesome on just in general of the nature of storing data. Yeah, I mean, there's reasons why smart doorbells cost in the in the hundreds. And it's because the good ones have no cloud and have home bases and, and that type of thing that, that do all this stuff locally. Yeah, so two of the devices in the test could be manipulated to steal network passwords and then hack other smart devices within the home. Yes, this is terrible. <laughs> Amazon's UK current number one bestseller in, in smart doorbells, the Victor Smart Doorbell, was found to send users home network names and passwords unencrypted to servers in China. I mean, the servers in China bit, that's probably just where the company is based. You know, playing devil's advocate to to some of the reporting here. Don't need to point fingers. As soon as you say, to servers in China, you know, mm, yeah. this is dangerous wherever it sends them. Yeah. <laughs> so friend of the show, Lisa Forte, a partner at Red Goat Cybersecurity, said consumers may inadvertently be putting convenience before security. I think that's absolutely something that they're doing. 100%. The Victor wireless doorbell is, is £72 currently on, on Amazon, whereas something like an Anchor, which is, I believe, called Eufy. Oh, is it under the Eufy brand? Yeah, they, they start at about 129 Plus, you need a base station. Yep. You can tell already, like, the ones that are cheap for a reason. God, you can get an, an IP camera with a with a doorbell and a notification thing for £21. I am terrified how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's It only connects to Bluetooth uh, directly to your phone. It has no passwords or anything. It's very, very straightforward. The, the difficult thing for consumers here is price doesn't 
really dictate anything. I know I'm kind of saying that, you know, the, the cheap ones here are the problem, but price doesn't really say the, the privacy policy or anything. I don't think this kind of thing is is very easy to understand. You know, I, I understand Anchor is a is a good brand, you know, one that I perhaps trust more than others because I've used their stuff for a long time. But you might look at Amazon and think, because it's on Amazon, it's a trusted trusted product. Yes. So I will take this moment to plug our guest this week. There's actually two sites that I would recommend people go to. One is Wirecutter. Specifically went and looked at like Wirecutter's breakdown of smart doorbells. They have a whole section on security and privacy for smart doorbell cameras. The other place you can go is from our guest this week, Jen Coltrider's website, privacynotincluded.com. Well, okay, technically it's Mozilla's website, but I call it Jen's website. Go to privacynotincluded.org to look up a whole bunch of stuff about all types of products that you can buy and their privacy policies and privacy aspects and stuff like that. So the last one in our Internet of Things journey is a robot vacuum cleaners can eavesdrop on your conversations. This one's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so this one from, from Bitdefender. So Matt... Last night, what you're saying is, is that your robot vacuum cleaner that was bumping around downstairs was listening to us play Overwatch. Is that is that what's happening here? <laughs> so, yes, I, I woke up in, in the middle of the night when the hoover downstairs goes around and, and you know, robotically hoovers. The, these things are so loud. Can it hear anything? I'm sorry. How loud are they? I forgot to I forgot to give you your lead in. <laughs> So a team of researchers have explained how internet-connected robot vacuum cleaners can be hacked to eavesdrop on homeowners' private conversations. So researchers from the University of Maryland, College Park, and the National University of Singapore have published research detailing how they were able to launch an ingenious attack that could stealthily snoop on people without their knowledge, despite there actually being no acoustic microphone built into the vacuum cleaner. Right, because vacuum cleaners don't need microphones. The technique exploits the smart sensors built into the robot vacuum cleaners. Self-driving cars, industrial robots, delivery robots, they all have this thing called LIDAR, light detecting and ranging sensors. I think that's something along those lines. It's a pulsed laser that helps measure distances and, and navigate obstacles. So in a technical paper, that the researchers showed that they managed to exploit a robot vacuum cleaner equipped with LiDAR, supposedly used for navigation, to secretly spy on, on homeowners. I mean, I'm not even convinced that my robot vacuum cleaner has LiDAR because it bumps into everything. <laughs> I thought, you know, there was either uh, someone trying to break in downstairs, but then I realised it's either the cat falling into everything or, or it's the robot Hoover because a, a robber would be <laughs> a little bit less suspect. And not as clean. So the, the researchers were inspired by laser microphones, which have been used since the Cold War. In a typical spying scenario, a laser microphone will be targeted on the window of a room where a private conversation is taking place. The window's glass actually bends and flecks a tiny amount in response to the sound vibration caused by the conversation in the room. It's too little for, for humans to perceive, uh, but enough to be picked up by the laser, which you know bounces back and the re reflective window to the eavesdropper. So different variances in light signal can then be converted and, and back into a conversation and, and recorded remotely. Kind of wild. This is so cool. Using this inspiration, the researchers built a proof of concept and then attacked a, a Xiaomi Roborock vacuum cleaning robot. They called their creation LiDAR Phone which described as a remote, stealthy, and scalable acoustic eavesdropping attack. I mean, maybe they could hack one of these and, you know, put it in a an enemy space, and then it, you know, drives around and finds all the things. But honestly, 
oh, these things are so loud. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, it'd have to hide in plain sight. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. You're like, hey, what's with the robot vacuum cleaner? Oh, that's just that's just Charlie. He's here cleaning. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You have to name them, by the way. So I don't think anybody should really be worried by this because, for one thing, it requires the the hackers to have remote access to the vacuum cleaner and its lidar data. Uh, in addition, most services are not as good as reflecting signals as Windows, which means the the robot vacuum cleaner may just be collecting data. And the hardware limitations of robot vacuum cleaners mean that only a low sampling rate can be achieved, less than actually the required audio to you know have it intelligible audio to the human ear. So imagine it sounds like gobbledygook, right? You can't actually tell what people are saying unless you use some hardcore processing. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about this one. Uh, but it is just interesting to see the, the kind of techniques that people are using, uh, especially with things that are in people's homes. So this week, uh, I was pretty happy to talk to Jen Kultreider from Mozilla. It was a great interview. And, uh, were you congratulating yourself there? When you said this is a great interview, were you... No, were you... no Jen was a great interviewee. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yes. Don't increase his, his The ego. guest was Don't. wonderful, as, as always. And I was there too. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me on the show today is Jen Kultreider. Jen joins us today from Mozilla to talk about Privacy Not Included, a buyer's guide to help you shop for safe and smart products that connect to the internet. Jen... This is a very timely interview. Thank you for joining us. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on. So, Jen, do you want to give us a little bit of background? What do you do? What do you work on? What what brings you to the show? Well, what do I do? I sit around and nerd out all day long with looking at privacy policies and things like that. So my official title is Lead Privacy Not Included at Mozilla. And that just means that I make a buyer's guide that comes out every November that helps people around the holidays make sure that they don't buy the creepiest gift on the planet to give to their parents, which could be fun sometimes, but generally most people don't like to be creeped out by their gifts. Yeah, we've covered a few on the show, dolls and such that have cameras and, and stuff in them that people can hack and listen and also make them speak, which I think is just the creepiest part of it. Super creepy. So when it comes to talking about IoT and, and the status quo, IoT being Internet of Things, like... How creepy do you think the average smart speaker or fitness tracker is? And like, are they all created equal? Well, I actually own smart speakers and fitness trackers myself. So do I think they're creepy sometimes? Do I let that like keep me from using them and having them? No. And I think that kind of makes me like most of the planet. We're a lot of times happy to kind of trade maybe a little bit of our privacy for some fun and convenience. It's good for a lot of people. Fitness trackers are making people healthier and smart speakers are keeping people from being less lonely in the pandemic. And that's not a bad thing. But I do think that there are some issues that, that we that we should consider. You know, fitness trackers used to track steps. Now they track your heart rate and your stress levels. Amazon's got a new one out that listens to you and tone police you. <laughs> I know it's really scary. It all, they also ask you to upload pictures of your underwear to them, which I draw the line at giving Amazon pictures of me in my underwear. <laughs> you know, so these devices are collecting more and more data and the companies are happy to, to have that data collected and, and a lot of them are happy to use it. And so that's kind of what we look at is... You know, if you're going to go out and buy a fitness tracker, do you want to buy one from Amazon or do you want to buy one from Garmin, which is where I bought mine from? Because I, I feel like they're all going to collect a lot of data. Garmin, I feel like, is probably going to handle that data a little better than I trust Amazon or 
even Google, who is buying Fitbit to do. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at the companies that back these things, because for many of us, we sort of put it into that mental model of like, okay, well, this is yet another piece of my persona, another piece of my profile that they are now able to sort of build and use for whatever purposes they want. So yeah, it's an interesting, interesting point. What was Mozilla's aim behind the privacy not included guide? Like I took a look, I'm going to ask you what sorts of devices are included. It's everything. Like it's there's everything is there. (laughs) Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not everything. That's the crazy thing. We have 136 products in our guide this year. And I feel like we just scratched the surface. But this is our fourth year. We started back in 2017, kind of going, wonder if people would be interested in looking at a buyer's guide, not about, you know, features and reliability, but about privacy and security. And we tested the waters and we were surprised to learn that, hey, people are actually interested in this. That's good. Let's go from there. And so our, our goals are, are kind of twofold. One is to give consumers more information so they can make smart choices when they go out to buy. You know, just like I said with the fitness tracker, you know, should you get the, the one from Amazon or maybe there's another company that's going to protect your data a little bit better? No consumer wants to go out and read privacy policies. Trust me, they don't. They, and they don't they don't have time for that. So just trying to make it easy for them was our number one goal, you know, and make it fun. If you did look at the guide, I, I try and make it fun because it can be dry. The other goal that we have is to try and put some pressure on the companies to do better and to kind of show them that hey, companies, people find your products creepy and say they're less likely to buy them. Whereas the companies that seem to take privacy and security a little more seriously, people say they find that less creepy and maybe more likely to buy. And, you know, when we first started, companies didn't pay attention to us. And this year, we've, you know, had some great dialogues with companies like Amazon and Facebook and others about how we review their products and whether they get the privacy not included warning label that we have now started to affix to products to really let people know, hey, like, I would not buy this product. I wouldn't have this in my home. So consider that before you buy. Yeah, as a consumer, like I definitely pay a lot of attention to to the privacy aspects of it. I'm probably a little bit more conservative on the side of I don't have a lot of smart devices in my home. And the ones that I do, I do avoid certain companies, right? Like I have I have home pods from Apple, but like I don't want an Amazon Echo in here. So I really love that angle. And I think that you're right. When you sort of put companies out there, not quite on blast, but you know, when you make it very clear that like, oh, this company is doing this shady thing, or, you know, as a result of this privacy policy, you could be opening yourself up to this. Just holding them accountable is is a smart move. I think that that's really cool. And it's not something that people have been doing a lot of either. You know, they just kind of companies like took off with like, how much data can we collect? And Consumers kind of just fell into that, oh, well, this is the way of the world. What can I do? And so we're trying to catch up with the accountability. And I think we have a ways to go to catch up, but it's better than nothing. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about end user license agreements and privacy policies and stuff like that. Like, what are some of the the main pain points that you found or, or some of the, let's say, biggest offenders that you found or things that really set off the warning bells for you when you're reviewing a privacy policy? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because we reviewed the privacy policy. Something new we also reviewed this year was the company's known track record for how they protect your data. And so if you take a company like Facebook that has an absolutely horrendous track record at protecting your data, if you go and look at the Facebook products on our page, they will meet what we call our minimum security standards, which just means there's five things that does it use a, require a strong password and use encryption and manage security vulnerabilities and have a bug bounty program and have a privacy policy. So that like those are like the minimum bar that we think products should meet to be on the market. And of course, Facebook meets them all with their like their Facebook portal or the Oculus Quest 2 VR headsets. But when you dig into Facebook, like Facebook has a horrible track record at protecting users' data and how they use users' data and 
questionably ethical ways. And so it felt really good this year to be able to warn people about the Facebook products that you shouldn't expect any sort of privacy if you put a Facebook portal, you know, the little video camera microphone in your house or your grandma's house. Facebook's probably going to take that data and use it and, and maybe not protect it very well. They don't have a good track record with that. So that was something that I felt really good about being able to do this year was kind of warn people based on known track records that, hey, this company doesn't seem to really care about protecting your data a lot. Another product, the Roku, is an interesting one because lots of people have Rokus now, you know, the streaming sticks or the Roku built into their televisions. And Roku themselves have admitted that, like, selling you Roku hardware isn't their business model. Their business model is collecting a bunch of data on you after they sell you that streaming device and then selling that data to people and making money off of you that way. And and they collect a lot of data, like Roku's privacy policy. The, the researcher that I worked with, an amazing woman named Janice Tai, called the, the Roku's privacy policy a nightmare. It was one of the scariest ones she's ever read because they're, they're like, literally, we're just going to collect everything on any device that you install this in, whether it's on your television or your phone or your computer, like not technically everything, but a whole lot of data they're collecting about you. And, and that's something that maybe people don't know and maybe they're comfortable with or maybe they're just kind of shrug and say, I don't like that, but that's the way the world is. But at least we can help people understand that maybe before they buy. And and there are other streaming sticks and streaming devices out there that they can consider. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the main pain points that you found that people are concerned about? Like what, what are the pieces of the guide that really seem to resonate with people? Well, it's interesting because if you go to privacynotincluded.org, the homepage is actually ranked with the products from how users have, right? We have a creepo meter on our site and how users rate them from least creepy at the top to most creepy at the bottom. And I'm always amazed. I always think, oh, you know, people are going to go off script, but people really kind of do rate the products based on how creepy things are. So they get worried about the track record, you know, Facebook and Amazon, people find those products more creepy than, like you said, the Apple products for sure. The Nintendo Switch has always been one of our top products. And I think that's because the company has a good track record and and they kind of know and trust that company. So trusting companies and knowing that a lot, consumers care if a product uses encryption or not, which is something that we look at and care about. I don't think that they overthink that. Most Maybe some of the more advanced kind of privacy conscious consumers for sure care about that. But your average, my mom, my mom, I'm not sure my mom could describe you what encryption is. So she's not going to care about that, but she is going to read the reviews and she's going to be like, this company seems pretty good. Apple seems pretty good. I see that they're listening to their consumers. You know, they've stopped defaulting to an opt-in of human voice recordings for all your voice requests, for example, which is something that, you know, maybe some of the other companies haven't achieved yet. And so they kind of, they kind of just go with their guts. And if they feel like a company is doing good, they're more likely to find it less creepy than if a company has a bad track record. So yeah, do most consumers read the privacy policies or care about encryption? Probably not, but they do get a sense pretty easily based on just what they've heard in the media, what maybe they read on the guide, what they've heard from their friends about what they find creepy or not creepy. Yeah, that's cool. That's reassuring, actually, (laughs) to hear that. (laughs) So how are you testing this? Because I'm picturing like your dining room table full of every streaming device for a week and then, you know, you're sort of taking notes on each one about what it's collecting and and whatnot. Like, what's the process for these things getting on the guide? Well, in a perfect world, that would be our process. But that's actually not how we do it. We kind of approach it from a very consumer-centric angle. 
of, you know, we select the products by basically thinking through what are people shopping for? What are people likely going to be shopping for at the holidays? So we know that the smart speakers from Amazon and Google and Apple are going to be popular. We know the, the fitness trackers that are going to be popular. We know like this year we added a lot of home fitness equipment because people are working out more at home due to the pandemic. And so the, the things like the mirror the really weird like mirror with a camera in it that you work out in front of. <laughs> yeah, capital M mirror, yes. Yeah, I know, which I mean, and they do fine on our, on our privacy evaluation. I still find it creepy that something that you're used to getting naked in front of has a camera in it and how like that could could go horribly <laughs> wrong at some point. So yeah, so we just, you know, go around and try and pick what we think are going to be the most popular products. And we wish we could review more, but you know, we got up to 136 this year and, and that was a lot. We we're proud of that. And then yeah, we like I said, we approach it from a consumer centric standpoint of like, you know, most people don't get to test these out before they buy. So we don't actually buy the products and hook them up and sniff their data transfers or anything like that. We do our research by diving into what we as consumers can find publicly available or and by also reaching out to the company and asking. So we read privacy policies, we email the companies with questions so that we can avoid having these you know, vulnerabilities that happen and, and aren't found and then somebody's hacking your ring doorbell and spying on you. So we, we just go based on what we can search out without buying the product because that's basically all consumers can do too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you talk about having grown the the list of products this year. What were some of the ones that surprised you that you know, like they're putting the internet in this now? Like what are what are we, what, why <laughs> yeah. what are we doing this for? Well, the one on the bad end, the one that scared me the most was the Amazon Halo fitness tracker. And it's actually not because Amazon is at least they they're saying all the right things on how they're handling the privacy and security around this device. But at the end of the day, the Amazon Halo is literally a band. It has no face on it. There's no like interaction that you can do with it. You strap this band on your wrist with no way to interact with it. And then it's packed with sensors. And, you know, it, it tracks your heart rate and your stress. It's also packed with, it's got microphones in it that they say are going to listen to you. And then tone police you a little bit and say, oh, you sounded grumpy right here for, you know, 10 seconds during the day. But over here, you sounded really excited and, you know, things like that. And I don't know. I mean, do I want Amazon, the company that's not maybe the most ethical company on the planet to determine how I'm talking to people? I mean, that just seems <laughs> odd. Um, and, and also... What are they using with that always listening data of mine? They say they aren't, you know, using it for marketing purposes or selling it. You know, they they say all the right things, but do you trust them? Do I trust them? I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm not ready to have Amazon tone police me all day long. And then the other funny thing about the Amazon Halo is they literally ask you to upload pictures of yourself in form fitting or tight clothes like your underwear so that they can measure your body fat composition. And I mean, they say that as soon as it's uploaded and processed, it's deleted. But how many times have companies said, oh, we do all this stuff and you come to find out, oh, no, they're actually not doing all that stuff. Or there's bad actors within the company that are abusing that. So yeah. I don't have any plans anytime soon to upload a picture of myself in my underwear to Amazon. That one was one that's like, where are we going with this? You know, just because we can do this doesn't mean we should. And why does Amazon need to move into the fitness tracker world? And why are they kind of like, was there any consumer out there really going, man, I really need a fitness tracker that listens to my tone all day and tells me how happy I am or how grumpy I am. I haven't seen a lot of consumer demand for that, which just makes me question, why did Amazon do it? 
And again, Amazon has good answers to a lot of these questions. I want to give them credit for that. It still just doesn't feel right to me. On the other end of the spectrum, on the good end of the spectrum, you know, there were some really fun products this year that I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. That company's kind of getting it right. The Arlo. Arlo makes these uh, security cameras and video doorbells, like the Ring. That's kind of the most popular one, but Arlo also makes them. And Arlo did a couple of fun things that we liked. One of them was last year on International Privacy Day, they put out a privacy pledge saying, hey, you know, we really care about your privacy and we're going to step up and do these things, X, Y, and Z. And it was a bit of a, a dig at Ring to kind of like say, hey, there's Ring and then there's people that actually care about your privacy. Um, but one of the other fun things that Arlo did that my researcher Janice found was she was reading the privacy policy that buried within the privacy policy was a discount code for 10% off your entire purchase of all your Arlo products. And I just love it that they made it so it literally pays to read their privacy policy. (laughs) Nice. That's great. I know. That was something that was fun and only privacy nerds would suss out if they're actually reading the privacy policy. If you've gotten this far, congratulations. Here's 10% off. I I like that. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Especially considering that you're buying a couple of their cameras, you're dropping a few hundred bucks. You're saving some real cash there. That's really neat. Is there a crowdsourcing aspect to it? Can people contribute? Can people participate in this in any way? Yeah, I love it when people participate. There's a few ways you can participate. The easiest way is rating products um, on our Creepometer. So every product page has a little a little fun sliding scale with a, a creepy face and a not creepy face where people can rate how creepy they find the products. And like I said, that's then how our products are rated on our landing page. So people can land and they see the best products at the top and the worst products at the bottom, according to our users. And that's really fun because, you know, we try and keep our reviews as factual as possible, as factually based as possible. You know, we're not consumer reports or wire cutter where we're like, buy this one, don't buy that one. But it's nice to see that then users come in and kind of say, well, this one's creepy and this one's not. And so, and it's a fun, it's a really fun, like thing to play with. I play with it still all day long. Everybody loves the creepometer. <laughs> and then there's also a way on the site to, if you, there's a product that you'd like to have reviewed, that's not been reviewed. There's a, a way for you to submit to a project, a product request to me. It comes to me directly. And I take those requests and use it this year. I used it quite a lot to help expand our guide so that we were giving people what they wanted. And then finally, you know, the the easiest way to crowdsource and and share this is, you know, share it with your friends and have a conversation. Um, Like my mom, I sent out the guide, she immediately forwarded it to all her friends and family. And then I called her up and she's like, this Roomba thing. And I'm like, yeah, mom. She's like, would that be safe for me to have? Because she's older, she can't vacuum anymore. And I'm like, well, yeah, mom, that's a, that's a good product. Uh, I think you'd be totally, she's like, well, maybe I should get one. And I was like, well, Christmas is coming up, mom. Like, Merry Christmas to you. You've got a robot vacuum coming on the way. <laughs> it's just a fun way to, to strike up a conversation about, A, if, if, if somebody, you're shopping for somebody and you don't know what to get them, it's a good entree into that. Thanks, mom. Um, but it's also just like, my mom's not going to understand what a bug bounty program is. So I don't have to explain a bug bounty program, but I can say, hey, you know, this company's not going to map your home and then sell that to some weirdo who's going to break in and steal your silverware. <laughs> right. That's cool. Cool. That's I like that. I like that story a lot. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to give maybe like a top three and like bottom three, like your recommendations for like, yeah, if you're looking for this, you should buy one of these and you should not buy one of these. Do you want to give us a little peek behind the behind the guide here? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I've hinted at it uh, some already in the guide. So yeah, for sure. I'll start with the worst so we can end with the best. And, and I've already I know I've already mentioned the Facebook portal and the Amazon Halos and the Roku. I'll go with those three, but I'll also add in a couple of other ones that I'm not keen on. 
the eye cuddle. So there's this smart connected cat litter box that we have in the guide. $500 robotic cat litter box that tells you when your cat takes a dump, uh-huh. <laughs> which I'm sure is useful to some people, you know, and then it scoops it for you and lets you know, oh, hey, your cat took a dump and then I scooped it for you. And you're like, yay, I didn't have to do that, right? That sounds awesome. But if you got $500 laying around, you know, why not? The problem with the eye cuddle is it's got a very cute looking website and the product itself looks really nice. I'm like, my cat would love to take a dump in that. <laughs> but it seems like the product actually doesn't exist. Like people have paid their $500 and never received it. Oh, no. And it doesn't meet our minimum security standards because we couldn't tell anything about it. You know, like, does it have a privacy policy? We, we're not sure. You know, if you're shopping for a connected litter box, stay away from the eye cuddle for a number of reasons. One, you'll probably never receive it. And two, if you did receive it, who knows who's getting the information. Wow. Staying on the on the pet theme, there's there's another product that was really creepy. It's it's called the here, let me look it up. It's called the Dogmas iPet Robot. And it's this little robot with an HD camera and microphones and, and everything that rolls around your house and they say, We'll play with your pet. Fun, right? Like, I want a little camera that rolls around and plays with my pet that I can watch, you know, on my phone when I'm not home. I'm a pet owner, so I think about this a lot. The problem is, like, this product does not meet our minimum security standards in any way. It doesn't use encryption on the video and stuff that you're sending back and forth, so it'd be really easy kind of to hack. And if it does get hacked, then hackers have access to a roving robot with a camera and microphone in your home that can just roll all around and, like, (sighs) spy on you anywhere and everywhere. And, and, you know, it's spying on your dog. Like, that's one thing. I mean, we spy on our dogs, right? But, you know, rolls up into the shower with you, you might feel a little differently. So I definitely avoid the dogness. And then... (laughs) One last one, and these are all weird that people maybe aren't thinking about buying. I mean, you know, the Ring Video Doorbell comes with a whole bunch of kind of concerns. And Amazon's gotten better with the Ring Video Doorbell since last year. They now require two-factor authentication. But they still have relationships with law enforcement that raise some questions for us around how these are being used to track people in neighborhoods where they might not have awareness that they're being used. There's a story in Mississippi about Mississippi law enforcement accessing these video doorbells to live stream. And for the most part, I'm sure the cops will use that for good purposes. But there's also probably instances where some cop could have a bad breakup and then access a video doorbell across from their ex and use it for nefarious purposes. And and that's really scary in our world right now. So that's something that, that I would stay away from. So those are ones on the bad side. I, I can talk about some on the good side that I like too. The Nintendo Switch is always, you know, Nintendo seems to do a really good job with privacy and security. And they've been a fan favorite of ours for a long time. And so if you're buying a a video game console, that one's good. PlayStation and and Xbox also seem to do pretty good jobs. As a company, Apple does a really good job. Of the big five tech companies, Apple stands above the others for seeming to care about privacy and security of their users. You know, they're not perfect. Nobody is, but they do seem to do a good job. And then... (laughs) One of my, you know, if you're looking to buy headsets, Jabra is an interesting company hmm. that, that make like the headsets, the earbuds and the over-the-ear headsets, because Jabra's kind of old school. They want to sell you headsets. They aren't really interested in collecting a bunch of data on you. They don't, they don't collect data on you. They just sell you earbuds or headphones and say, great, now go listen to stuff. They don't collect any personal information. They don't share it. And, you know, that's kind of refreshing in, you know, having read through so many of these 
companies' privacy policies that kind of do more of that. So I, I really like Jabra and what they did. Cool. That's great. It is neat when you find some of the old school companies that have been making tech products for a long time and it's like, those are their products. Like that's what they're, that's where they're making their money. They're not making their money off of us. Right. Like, you know, with Facebook or any of the other social networking platforms, it's all like, well, if it's free, then you're the product, right? Or even if it's not free, like with Roku, I mean, you're, you're basically giving them heart money for hardware that they're then going to use to make a bunch of money off of you. And it's just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. They got a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, they do for sure. (laughs) Okay. This has been a lot of fun. Where should people go to figure out what to buy for Christmas? Or the holidays. Is this you asking me to say my URL a few times? Because I'm happy to do that. I am asking you directly to plug away. (laughs) Right on. I can do that. Privacynotincluded.org is the URL. Really simple. And it takes you to a Mozilla site where we've tried to make it as easy as possible for people. There's a search button where you can search for the product you want. We've got categories where you can just click on a category and see what's creepy and what's not and go in there and play with the creepo meter. But yeah, privacynotincluded.org. Super easy to find. Excellent. Jen, thank you for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Are we ready for playing passwords, right? I, I've never been more ready. We're recording this out of order, so this is the final play your passwords right of the year. It's the final play your passwords right. <laughs> now, I think this is the one that you've both been waiting for, right? The gaming edition. <gasps> yes, this is the one I didn't even know that I wanted. Oh, yeah. Oh. Round one of two because there were so many good games I could have included that we're gonna we're gonna do a second round at some point. Mm, okay, I'm really excited. So for anyone that doesn't know how Play Your Passwords Right works, I will show a password and then reveal how many times that password has been in a breach. I will then show another password, and Matt and Rue will have to guess whether it's higher or lower, or has been breached more or less times than the previous password. So. Are we ready to get started? I've never been more ready. All these passwords, as usual, one word and all lowercase. The first one we have is World of Warcraft with 3,156. That is less than I would imagine. Do you, yeah. do you know what I like about that one a lot? Is that is definitely someone's World of Warcraft password. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part about that one. That's another, another round that we should play. Is services oh, inside the breach? Yeah, that would be good. Oh. Yeah, like different variations of LinkedIn in the LinkedIn breach. Oh God, that's like Inception. Cool. Do you know? Like we're we're literally blowing up somebody right now. They're like, "That's my secret." Like, don't do that. <laughs> I think there's a Venn diagram of people who these passwords are and listeners to the show. And it's the it's the farthest part of the circle touching. It's just a little sliver. They're like, I got this thing figured out. So next up, we have Grand Theft Auto. Higher. Yeah, I'm thinking higher. Okay. It is lower <gasps> at 1,953 wow. there. Well, it is a less popular game, but still incredibly popular. I think these are quite long, aren't they? I'm trying to work it out logically again. <laughs> <laughs> a short one coming up, Matt. We have Zelda. Oh, higher. Definitely higher. Is that higher than 1,953? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. That's higher. Someone's name as well. It's higher. Yeah, higher. Yeah, you're both right. It is higher at 11,361. Moving on. 
we have Mario. Oh, higher. Oh, definitely higher. <laughs> I'm going to put in the points before we even yep. uh, give us the answer. You are right. <laughs> it's 48,517. It's a big one. So moving on, we've got Minecraft. Ooh. Lower. Higher. Is it higher or lower than Mario? 48,000. I'm going higher. Yeah, definitely lower. Matt, you are correct. 54,882. Wow. There's millions of people. Millions of people that play Minecraft. So next up we have Call of Duty. Lower than Minecraft. Mm, This is a tricky one. I am thinking lower. Yep, you are both right. It is 29,887. I got to pull a comeback here. This (laughs) this isn't good. So we have... Fortnite, a very, very popular game right now. Oh, definitely higher. You ever play that game, Matt? Can I just say, I have won Fortnite four times on solos. <laughs> I I thought when I hit 30 that I would never be able to play another competitive game because all the 14-year-olds would beat me. But I've won it four times. I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, I, I'm going to go higher. I'm going lower. So, Rue, you're bringing it back because mm. it is lower at only 50. 59 people oh, what? with the password Fortnite. Oh my gosh. What? 59? That shocks me quite a bit. Hang on. I need to double check this one. Yeah, I knew you would, Matt. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't believe me. 59 times. There you go. It's crazy. 59 times. Those young kids, they know how to... Uh, how to create their passwords, right? I, I, that is the most surprising one that we've had. The younger generation. It's the same generation as Minecraft. Nah. No, it's not. No, it's not. How are 54,000 people having... It's not the same generation. I don't know, kids. Oh, my goodness. I'm shook after that one. <laughs> <laughs> got me shook. So moving on, we have Last of Us. I mean, it's definitely... Yeah, it's got to be higher than 59, isn't it? Higher. That is higher than Fortnite. I, I'm going to email Troy... And ask about Fortnite, because I, I think there's going to be a problem. <laughs> I love that you're still thinking I, about I'm going to email him and say, like, is there a term in, in your database that is just not picking this up? Is there is there an issue here? <laughs> Matt, you may want to email Troy with this one, because it's 36 people with the password last of us. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean... I'm just so confused. Okay, I can kind of believe this one. This one suits his suits his mental model, so he's not going to argue it. You're not going to fact check me on this one. <laughs> I'm not. No. Okay, so next up, Pac-Man, higher or lower than thirty-six? Oh, higher. It's, it's uh, higher. Yeah, I think that's higher. Got to be an obvious one, really, isn't it? You are right. It is twenty-two thousand and ninety-seven. Okay, so we've got. Fallout. I've never played any of these games, so I'm judging that as, you know, the rest of the world is is a little bit like me, maybe, and (laughs) lower. Fallout is going to be... Oh, God, I want to... I'm going to differentiate just for the purposes of the game. Fallout is higher. Sorry, Rue, Matt is correct. It is lower. 18,706. Not by much. much. 22,000, Pac-Man. Yeah. And then finally, because it has the word final in it, we have... Final Fantasy. Oh, higher. That's higher. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's a a whole bunch of people that play that game. It is higher, but only by a small amount. 18,822. Huh. So there we have it. How about it? This is one of these things, right, that is going to bug me for a long time, (laughs) but I have no way of finding out 
what the reasoning is behind all these numbers. It's the <laughs> it's the most infuriating thing. I mean, yeah. I don't know why you would let this take up space in your in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> all right, with that, I think I still won. Yeah. Oh, you definitely won. Yes. Yeah, only by one point, Matt. Come on, it's not a runaway victory or anything. Um, I'll, I'll take everything I get these days. Yeah. Yeah. In twenty twenty. Well, that's the. Uh, the end of another show yeah all right then love you both love you bye-bye love you bye Bye.